One of my early childhood memories has to do with my father, who was an Episcopal priest, and his best friend, Sam, who was also an Episcopal priest. I grew up in New York, and the Episcopal Diocese of New York always held its annual diocesan convention in late October or early November, right about this time of year. Sam and my father would get together the night before diocesan convention to decide whether or not they would go. (laughs) One of them would always have to talk the other into going. Which one of them it was who needed to be talked into going varied from year to year. Mostly, these meetings resembled a small communal lament as the two of them smoked and drank too much and complained into the early morning hours. The miracle of it was that even on little amounts of sleep, they ended up going to diocesan convention. In fact, they rarely missed One year on their drive home, Sam said to my father, Well, Doug, I'm glad you talked me into it. My father, who had not at all been impressed with the proceedings, said, Why? (laughs) Well, said Sam, it restores my faith in the Holy Ghost. What on earth do you mean? asked my father. Well, said Sam, I get into that awful synod hall, and I look around me and see all the people who have come to that ridiculous convention, and I realize that all of us darn fools can't be running the church, so it must be God the Holy Ghost. Restores my faith. (laughs) I try to remember that piece of family history when I'm getting ready to go to diocesan convention. And to think, too, about the wisdom behind the humor. My hope is that we're all praying that it is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, who's at least guiding the church, if not running it, working through us all to do God's will. But it's never quite that simple. The witness of the communion of saints reminds us of that. When you think about it, my father and Sam, diocesan conventions and the communion of saints all manifest two basic characteristics without which we would either be stuck or moving in the wrong direction. The two basic characteristics are grace and commitment. Diocesan conventions everywhere may hope and pray for the infusion, guidance, and grace of the Holy Spirit. But willing and committed men and women, lay and ordained alike, are needed to receive that grace and carry out God's work. Baptism 
is a sacrament which acknowledges the reception of God's grace in our lives right from the beginning of them, right from the time we were born. But it will take the commitment of the one baptized in the Christian faith to become a part of the worshiping community to enact and fulfill that grace. Just so with the communion of saints. Think about it. We usually, on All Saints Day or the Sunday after, remind ourselves and each other of at least two things. That the saints that were commonly known as saints were not perfect and that we are all called by God to be saints. With respect to the first, if we are ever tempted to forget that the saints were not perfect, we need only look at the scriptures. There's Abraham with his dysfunctional family, Noah the drunk and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, who were all adult children of alcoholics, Jacob the conniver, Rahab the harlot, David the lecher, Moses the murderer, Peter the betrayer, Paul the persecutor, and on and on and on. That's just scripture. We hold them up as heroes and heroines of the faith, but how welcome would they be in our churches today? Our tradition, it seems, has produced even weirder saints. St. Simon Stylites, or Stylites, is best known for the fact that for 36 years he lived on top of a 60-foot-high pillar preaching and converting the heathens below to Christianity. He became the patron saint of flagpole sitters. (laughs) How many of them do you know? Apollonia was a deaconess at a church in Egypt who was tortured for being a Christian by having her teeth pulled out. Threatened with burning, she voluntarily entered the fire a mob had built and in her martyred sainthood has become the patron saint of toothaches and dentists. One of my favorites is St. John Bosco, who died in 1888 but nevertheless is patron saint of moviegoers. Perhaps because of his lifelong ministry with neglected and orphaned boys. Yet none of the saints I know of was perfect. And some of them even come off looking a bit eccentric or narrowly focused or even obsessive. So we remind ourselves that the saints were not perfect and neither are we. Then we remind ourselves that we too are called to be saints and that since we aren't perfect but rather are sinners, that God's grace is required in our lives. This is certainly true. The saints are people not in spite of but through whose humanity Others have become more sure themselves of the grace of God. God's grace is essential. But we need to remember that other essential in living a life of faith. Commitment. Because saintship is both a gift and a goal. 
Elizabeth O'Connor, in her book, The New Community, tells the story of an encounter between Thomas Merton and the Dalai Lama, spiritual leader of Tibetan Buddhists. As a Trappist monk, Merton was a leader in establishing dialogue between monks of the Christian tradition and those of the Buddhist East. On this particular occasion, Merton was confronted by the Dalai Lama with a probing question. What do your vows obligate you to do? Do they simply constitute an agreement to stick around for a life in a monastery? Or do they imply a commitment to a life of progress up certain mystical stages? After a prolonged silence, Merton stated what he understood about his vows. He said this, I believe they can be interpreted as a commitment to a total inner transformation of one sort or another, a commitment to becoming a completely new person. No matter where one attempts to do this, that remains the essential thing. That's what Merton said. A commitment to becoming a completely new person, no matter where one attempts to do this. The identity we have been given in Jesus the Christ and the vows we have taken at baptism in response to the initiative of gospel love imply both an already are and a what we are to become as Christians. Grace and commitment. Merton's answer to the Dalai Lama has to do with the commitment part. As baptized in Christ, the grace given us by God at birth is acknowledged and celebrated. But grace alone, no matter how glorious, was not enough to get my father and Sam to diocesan convention. They knew at some level they had to put some energy into it and make good on a commitment to go. Whether or not diocesan convention itself ever contributed to their total inner transformation of one sort or another, and it probably didn't, I do not know. I do know that their commitment as Christians did. So it is with us. There are times when we do things not because we want to, not because we like it, but because we are committed, because we have made a commitment. It is the combination of grace and commitment in the context of a Christian community that characterizes the communion of saints. Grace, God's gift to us all, and a commitment on our part to total inner transformation becomes the way in which we grow into what we already are, saints in the body of Christ. And to that I say, 
Thanks be to God. Amen.